you know sometimes you have to no matter how much soul you want to Im- infuse in your art you have to still look at it from a very practical uh, step by steps uh, perspective you know so i've literally broken my art down into these specific steps that i need to follow to make my art uh, uh, create that impact the goal isn't to live forever the goal is to create something that will. Welcome to Perspective, a podcast for wedding creatives, where we sit down often with a special guest and talk about our many years of experience in the wedding industry so that you can learn from us and grow your wedding business. On today's episode of Perspective, we're talking to London-based, multi-award-winning child, newborn, pregnancy, maternity and family photographer Sujatha Satya of But Natural Photography. In the span of over a few years, Sujata has achieved immense international recognition in terms of her awards and publishing of her work, which includes being featured in such publications as Forbes, The Daily Mail, Vanity Fair, Good Housekeeping and Country Living magazines, amongst others. We'll be covering everything Sujata in this discussion, including her work with elderly couples and newborns and how she creates art with soul. If you're struggling with the journey of finding your voice or even just need to understand what that means, you should listen to this episode. It should be a good listen. And it is an episode which is sponsored by With Jack and for a limited time by Beans.ie. So Greg, what are we drinking on today's episode? We are drinking the latest delivery from Beans.ie and it's the Onyx Coffee Roasters, who I believe are from Arkansas. Arkansas? Arkansas yeah (laughs) and it's the Monarch blend which is a blend of Ethiopian and washed Latin American coffees extracts as a fruit forward classic espresso or a dark filter coffee you've brewed up has this been brewed as an iced coffee or is this just coffee with ice added to it Uh, this is coffee with ice added to it to make it a nice iced coffee so let me know how you think I did Mm, quite nice. It's good for a summery day. Yeah. Yeah, that is quite good. Even though it's absolutely pushing it down in Scotland right now, <laughs> it's terrible. But as photographers, filmmakers, and business owners, we know the power of stories and beans.ie do too. They started because they knew there were so many stories to tell about the world of coffee and not just about the regions and varieties, but about the people behind the beans. The roasters and us, the drinkers. This is the most flexible coffee subscription that we've ever used, showcasing some of the top roasters around the world who bring something different to your table. You've been listening to Greg and I talk for years now about what we've been drinking at our podcast table, but now you can join us. Curate your own monthly subscription from an ever-changing list of beautiful coffees. And because we love you so much, we are going to hook you up with an awesome promotional code. If you use promo code PERSPECTIVE15, you can get 15% off your first order. That's promo code PERSPECTIVE15 to get 15% off your first order for coffees with stories sent straight to your door. Sujatha, thank you. How are you? I'm, I'm very well, Simon. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, we like to think this podcast is a casual conversation about what we love to do. But um, yes, yeah, thank you. Thank you for uh, for joining us, for taking the time and 
being a part of this podcast. Oh, excited to be here. Mm, yeah. So are you are you drinking anything in particular where you are? Uh, nothing right now, but I cannot uh, function uh, if I haven't had my cup of coffee first thing in the morning. So yeah, I've had that already. <laughs> and Good what, stuff. And what do you tend to like to drink? Are you, are you um, a black coffee kind of gal? or yes, you, oh, I am. Yeah, so no milk, no sugar? Just a little bit of my soy milk and that's it. Ah, keeping it easy. Nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you been up to recently? Um, just working, uh, on a couple of projects. Uh, uh, yeah, just photography, uh, trying to acclimatize myself with the ever changing weather in our country <laughs> and uh, <laughs> life in general. Yeah. Lots and lots of photography in between. Yes. Mm-hmm. How's the weather been like for you? Cause uh, for us up here last week, I mean, it was so warm. Yeah. It was a heat wave. Yeah. What's it like down, well, down where you are? Uh, well, uh, here in London, it just pretty much changes every single second. So while I'm talking to you, it was sunny and then now it's suddenly become gray and I'm sure it's going to rain as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, how they say that uh, British people are very boring if they, ha- if they had not had uh, their weather to speak about. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I like to think I'm a little bit more interested than the weather, <laughs> but it, it just seems to be just crazy at the moment yeah it is we've had we've had quite a busy last month with june was quite busy with weddings we had what four or five Mm -hmm. weddings quite a few midweek weddings as well we did yeah but strangely like obviously with weddings the calendars are all over the place right now so the way it's worked last month was busy but july which is usually a busy month is quite quiet it's it's a bit strange yeah it's quite interesting. Our listeners will know I've I've got three children. Obviously, they're off school right now, so I feel like my world has totally been flipped uh, upside down uh, because having to entertain three kids um, mm-hmm. is actually quite challenging. <laughs> I can imagine. I have one, and my hands are full already. <laughs> and how 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 are you finding this uh, this summer? Your kids not at school yet. She is, and I'm in fact dreading the 9th of July when uh, she, uh, g- uh, you know, school breaks and they get two months off. Yeah. So I'm, I'm literally just, yeah, yeah. Uh, holding myself tight for that ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel you. I mean, yeah, it's uh, w- once you get into it, it's fine, but it, but it very is like a, it's like jumping in cold water. It's like you don't want to do it, but once you do it, you have a good swim. <laughs> I'm also terrible at my met- my metaphors, so if that didn't work, I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, but yeah, so so what projects have you been uh, keeping yourself busy with? A couple of things. See, uh, family and uh, maternity and newborn photo shoots are something that I have to do at a continuous uh, pace, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, ever since the lockdown has uh, slightly lifted, uh, clients have been walking in, people are realizing how important it is to chronicle just these very special moments of life. I think, I think it's, uh, the pandemic has been quite a, um, awakening for, uh, people in general mm-hmm. as to what is most important. So it's, it's been good for the photography industry in general, in terms of getting more business. Uh, that is something that's, that's a steady, uh, stream of work that I have been uh, doing ever since, uh, things have uh, become a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, also I am, uh, I've started to schedule my workshops. So I will be traveling to Israel, uh, in October, Mm-hmm. Uh, so things are in the works for that. Uh, hopefully if US opens up, September is uh, US. Um, and I'm also working on this uh, personal project, uh, uh, which is, you know, so uh, as a photographer, I mean, 
I of course started it off as a passion and uh, and then it soon turned into a business without me realizing that the moment it turned into business uh, passion slowly started walking out of the door you know <laughs> yeah and uh, so so a year down the line when i realized that i felt completely completely at loss of uh, creative words i felt like i had lost my speech and I didn't feel happy with what I was creating because all I was doing was client work. I started focusing more on taking time out every month to do something just for myself, a project that was all about what my vision is, what is my story, what is it that I want to tell uh, through my art. And uh, that's something that I have been continuously doing over these past seven years. So currently I'm working on a personal project, which is about motherhood and scars. So I'm oh. just literally uh, photographing mothers from different walks of life uh, yeah awesome. so that's 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 something that's been keeping me busy lately mm-hmm. very interesting yeah that's cool I, I do want to delve into that topic of uh, of the kind of um, art with soul um, aspect to your work um, I think that'll be pretty good I, I I know that some of our listeners have, have struggled you know with finding their voice or, or even trying to understand, you know, as, as wedding photographers, mostly, um, uh, and, and filmmakers, uh, what that kind of means for the work that we do. Cause obviously we're shooting weddings and, you know, weddings are other people's days. So it's, it's interesting to kind of find the, you know, our voice in what the work should be for our yeah. clients. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be an, in, an interesting discussion. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously you are an educator. Yes. Um, I actually didn't realize, but you're, you're a professor of photography at uh, Spain's most uh, reputable photography institute, the EFTI. So I am a visiting faculty there. So I go there once or twice a year to conduct uh, workshops for uh, students. It's, it's actually really, really fulfilling. I never thought, you know, Back in school, back in uni, I never thought I would turn up to be a professor. I mean, I was one of the backbenchers always uh, trying to sneak out of the classroom. So (laughs) it's quite a, it's quite a fun ride. I mean, when they approached me back in 2017, it was, I I was quite taken aback as to, you know, an institute getting in touch with me to start uh, teaching photography there. It's, it's very fulfilling. These are, these are young uh, millennials who uh, want to, you know, set foot into the industry. And, and it's interesting to be able to give them an industry perspective as well as tell them the theoretical part of the art. Mm. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I, I, it makes me suddenly feel young with them, <laughs> no matter what my age. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. This is completely off topic, but uh, I was having a conversation with someone on a recent shoot that we were doing for a gym. And um, the, the photographer that we were working beside, obviously we're filmmakers, um, he was talking about how he was kind of higher up in the company. He's quite old, he's 33. And he's looking at me as if I'm a young boy. And I, I have to, uh, you know, I, I mentioned my age is 35 and he's absolutely gobs, gobsmacked. I don't know if I told you about this, Greg, but um, I mean, Greg and I are, I mean, we suffer from We're the gift. quite fresh faced. Yeah. It's a gift and a curse that we both look like very young boys. And um, <laughs> <laughs> the fact that over, over the period I, I had grown quite a big beard, uh-huh. which it was funny when I, you know, shaved it off a couple of weeks ago because all my kids got one hell of a fright. They did not know who I was for a, a good minute, which is um, quite a fun experience 
for uh, <laughs> our dad listeners out there. You should absolutely try that. It's uh, quite entertaining. <laughs> um, anyway, we're, we're, we're going to go on a little bit. Uh, I do want to dive into a little bit about who you are, Zujata, but I, I'm going to do a Q&A reminder. I already see someone's put their hand up in Clubhouse. Thank you very much for, for doing that. And um, we, we kind of, because this is a podcast recording, we save all the questions for a Q&A section at the end. So stay, stay in and listen. And uh, if you have any questions, we'll, we'll collect them at the end. If you're not listening live in Clubhouse and you aren't a member of our Patreon, you are leaving some amazing content on the table as you'll only be able to get access to the Q&A section through our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash perspective by Cinemate. And you can listen back to the Q&A. I always like to ask this next question because it's kind of a hit or miss with some of our guests. Uh, Some guests enjoy it, some guests don't. But obviously I've already given you a small introduction as to who you are and what you do. But um, I always like to see how our guests define themselves. So Sujata, who are you and what do you do? (laughs) That is a tough question, huh? Mm Oh my God, I'm, I'm many people at the same time. It's interesting, Simon, you asked that question to me today, you know, because I was just let, literally yesterday telling my uh, uh, friend over the phone that it's incredible how many hats I wear uh, on the same day itself. Yes. So yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just many people. I'm just many people and I'm just, uh, I, I'm just many stories and, and hence I am a storyteller. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously. <laughs> Very philosophic. Yes. <laughs> This podcast is the the main sort of listening audience as photographers and filmmakers. So we're we're going to talk about your sort of photography mm-hmm. throughout most of today. So how did your journey in photography start? Yeah, so um, I uh, started photography. It was just a funny uh, twist of destiny. I uh, I am Indian, and I moved to the UK. Uh, over a decade ago uh, when I got married to my husband and uh, back in India, I was a journalist and a radio presenter. I was a DJ. Mm. Uh, So nothing, nothing to do with photography at all. No formal qualification in photography. Never would my colleagues back then would imagine me becoming a photographer. Anyway, (laughs) moved to the UK. Uh, None of my qualifications back in India worked here. So I was a pretty much unemployed for the next five years and being the person that I am I was always very very self-reliant so depending on my husband's money and you know just just being entirely dependent on another individual made me go down a very very dark space so Mm. um, I remember hitting the rock bottom and and uh, I remember being told that I am bipolar and prescribed medication for you know curing my depression Um, and uh, and then amidst all of this, my daughter was born. I, a friend of mine called me up and uh, she said, you know, you're unemployed and things are looking down. The best way to find solution to any problem in life once you're married is to have a child. Somehow she thought that was a, a rock solid solution. So I had my daughter. <laughs> That's terrible advice, and, by the way. Terrible, yeah. Terrible advice. <laughs> Oh my God. Anyway, whatever. I mean, it ended up being a good uh, thing for my, me generally in life. So well, no regrets. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but uh, uh, from the looks of it, uh, I mean, uh, uh, we are quite a prolific, uh, uh, I'd say, uh, couple. So I, I mean, 
one try and I got pregnant and uh, uh, sorry for the extra details, but just for a bit of jest. Um, and uh, then I had my daughter and I was, I was, I went deeper into depression and came a point where, I mean, I literally told myself it's this way or that way. I mean, I have to, I have to make a decision as to whether I want to go down with what's happening to me or, or I lift myself and, and find a path. And I have no clue why my husband at one point during my pregnancy bought me a Canon EOS 450D. It's an amateur camera. Mm -hmm. I have no clue why he got me that camera. So I just picked that camera up and my daughter was around three to four months old. I started clicking her pictures, you know. And uh, that's it. That's it. I mean, that's where my journey started. I remember telling myself one day, that uh, I have nothing to lose here, nothing at all. So I just made a Facebook page and I started posting images of what I would click of my daughter or I would just click of places on holidays or whatever. I mean, any random images I started posting there. And friends started telling me that, you know, you take really good images. That was surprising. So what I did was a very smart marketing trick, which is something I teach my students all the time is to start uh, is to stop going on any social invitations, you know, if you want work. So I, I would get birthday party invites and dinner invites from my friends and I would just send my daughter and my uh, husband there. And I would ask my husband to tell them, oh, Sujata is really busy with her photo shoots and she's been busy photographing clients and she never has any time. And I'd actually be sitting back home cooking meal for them when they come back home. <laughs> so, so, you know, it just sort of created a sense of urgency in my friends about how busy a photographer I have become. And it, mm-hmm. in went around like Chinese whisper and people started booking me just because there was this sense of FOMO in them. And uh, that's it. That's where my first client started to come from. And it's been seven years. I've not looked back. That is very cool. That is very cool. (laughs) That takes some strength by the way. So well done. That's awesome. Thank you. Going back to your husband giving you a camera. Now, I'm not saying your husband did this, but I sometimes buy my wife stuff that I don't think she's ever going to use. (laughs) <laughs> that, but I might get the benefit of. <laughs> Case in You're point, your hot tub that you bought her. Oh, <laughs> that is the per- that is the perfect example. I bought my wife a hot tub one year, Ooh. and I actually use it more than than she does it at this point. Uh, <laughs> which, I mean, we did have a lovely birthday. It was, it was f- fantastic party. But since then, I I do get the the most use out of the hot tub. But then <laughs> I I do live in that thing. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> again, I'm not saying your husband did that, but. I do it, so. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. husbands do have the knack for buying gifts for themselves. <laughs> Disguised as gifts for their wives, yeah. Yes, yes. But considering you did get the use of it and uh, it spawned this incredible part of your life, um, good going. Yeah, what a good gift. <laughs> well, what a good guy, good gift. <laughs> um, so, yeah, obviously you've, you've mentioned some of these struggles and I feel that as creative individuals that, that we all kind of go through our own series of troubles. Um, but I do want to read something that you put on your website. You said, uh, five years ago, I picked up the camera, but quickly discovered that there was more to photography than gear and taking images. After years of self-doubt and frustration with my work, I started to work on the voice the soul of my art. For the newcomers in our industry listening to this podcast, could you talk a little bit about those issues that you dealt with on your journey 
as a photographer, you know, the the self-doubt and the frustration, because I feel like it's quite a common issue. Self-doubt, Simon, I feel is something that's like a part of my body. It's like a limb, you know, once you become an artist, you cannot, uh, you cannot uh, separate your, your, your art from self-doubt. I mm-hmm. feel like it's just, it, it, they walk together hand in hand and, and it's just a hazard and you have to just sometimes be kind to yourself. It's, it's also very unfortunate, the industry that we are in right now, the times that we are in right now, just an extra like on Instagram, just an extra uh, like on Facebook just lifts up our day like nothing else. I mean, that's, that's the validation we are seeking for continuously. Yeah. Uh, so that's the journey I will be on. I was on day one of being a photographer and I know I will be on forever as long as I am a creative being mm-hmm. and I'm surviving. So, um, I remember when I started off, like I mentioned right in the beginning to you as well, I, it was, it was a passion. It was a thing about passion. I love taking photographs of my daughter and my, uh, her relationship with my dog. Mm. And suddenly I started receiving these calls for people wanting me to photograph their family. And soon passion turned into profession and passion decided to walk out of my house. So I, I, you know, I, I was continuously photographing these families and I was creating work for them. I was create, giving them their memories. But what is it that I was doing for myself? Nothing at all at the end of the day, except for the money in my pocket. Uh, which is why, uh, you know, creating your personal projects, working on something that is literally entirely 100% for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like literally yesterday I was doing this photo shoot. Like I told you, I'm working on this project with the, uh, on motherhood and, uh, uh scars. And yeah. it actually came from a very, very personal space in my life. I lost my mother two years ago. And, uh, uh, the only way for me to find closure to my inner demons is through expressing myself in my art. Mm-hmm. And that's the way, that's the place from where this project has come. You know, it's just motherhood. I'm just trying to, I don't know, pay, uh, pay owed to my mother or, or to mothers out there, all of them anyway. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as part of that project, I was, uh, uh, photographing this mom yesterday. I don't even know where, where I started from and how I've reached here. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Keep going. I love we do journey. that, right? We yeah. do that so many times. Yeah, correct. So, uh, so she asked me, she said, so how many, how many mothers are you photographing as part of this project? I said, I haven't decided. She said, so what are you going to do with this project? I mean, uh, you've, you've told me that it's, you're not going to monetize uh, this project. So what are you going to do with it? Are you going to exhibit it? Are you going to put it, uh, uh, publish a book with it? I said, I don't know. I really don't know because I am genuinely doing it for myself. And the way, the full sense of fulfillment it gives me that no matter how bad technically the image that I'm creating is going to be, because I ended up actually creating a studio setup for it, even though when I'm, I'm not a studio photographer, but mm-hmm. yesterday I felt I had a vision that I need to do, create a studio setup for this specific image. Maybe it's just technically all wrong. Maybe I will post it on Instagram tomorrow and maybe I'll just get 10 likes. But I am so satisfied with what I have created yesterday because it's for me. And and yeah. that's what is so essential for us to do as photographers so that we can bypass this sense of self-doubt. Self-doubt only comes when you're creating something that's for external validation. When you're doing it for yourself, you will not doubt it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But- yeah, that's actually true. In fact, I, I heard recently, and I can't remember who, who said this, but um, comparison is the thief of joy. 
And uh, I, f- I feel that's so I f- true. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like in the, in in this world of social media and so many people looking at our work that yeah, it it does actually th- there is a um, something lost in in that. So. Yeah. 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 Sorry to hear about your mother, but it's good to see that you're sort of honouring her with this project and that it's given you some closure as well. That's that's great that you're able to do that. Thanks. So Simon mentioned the quote there that you said something about uh, there's more to photography than gear and images. So can you expand on that and what what more you feel there is? Yeah, I mean, uh, as as a as an educator, I often see you know f- uh, photographers coming to me and I ask them, "What is that one thing that you'd want to learn from me?" And and they continuously keep saying, "It's your editing that we want to learn." And I keep telling them that it is not the editing that makes my work my work. I can teach you every single step of how I edit it, edit my images over and over again, but you will not be able to capture the soul, the vision of uh, my work. So I feel like art is more about the vision. It is more about the story. It is more about what you're saying through every single image. Every single time your art goes out there uh, for the audiences to look at, what is it that it does to them? That is what your style is. Uh, does it make them cry? Does it make them laugh? Does it make them feel something? Does it make them nostalgic? Uh, does it give them any sense of uh, a feeling and emotion? If if that is what your art is able to achieve, then it is beyond just a photo. And mm-hmm. that is something that what... I personally feel every photographer or every artist should endeavor to achieve. And that is what will set you apart from somebody else's work. Yeah. So that's, wish- that's what I essentially mean by the soul. So like I said er- earlier, I think that m- many people find it hard to find their voice um, in the work that they want to put out, Wh- whether that is because of social media and comparing their favorite photographers to themselves or even just not really knowing the kind of work that they want to do. How would you think people can find their own voice, do you think? Because I know there's not really one thing that us as a collective can can do. So it's kind of a hard question, I suppose, to answer because there isn't one method to fit all, to find, you know, your voice. You know, it's not like, I don't know, BuzzFeed, top 10 things to find your voice for your work, you know? <laughs> so, uh, Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I'll start sounding like a broken record because <laughs> you know the one thing that I will keep reiterating is the fact that uh, is the importance of doing your own personal projects, you know, yeah. over and over and over again as an artist, you need to set aside the business side of your work and the passion apart from each other completely and give equal time to both. You need the money in the bank so that you can uh, bring uh, food on table at the end of the day, of course. So you need to do all the work that you are doing for your clients, but you need to do your own personal projects because it's a journey. I mean, what is art? Art is just the inside of you uh, depicting itself outside. You know, it's just the manifestation of what is within you. That's what art is. So if you don't hear yourself from within, if you don't spend time with yourself, if you're continuously looking at other people's work and saying, I want to grow up and be you, then you will never grow up and be yourself. So uh, a lot of emphasis on doing your own personal projects, a very important part also of building your own voice, finding your soul through your art is to be able to find your tribe within your community. It's such an alienating profession that we are in. I mean, I'm, be, I, I'm always just an island 
when I'm working. And uh, there are so many times that I want to sound off my ideas, my thoughts, my inner demons through to somebody else who will understand me at the same artistic level. Uh, uh with the same artistic uh, language as i speak yeah. and so it's so important to find your tribe so so important yes absolutely we could not agree with you more to be honest we are very much a community over competition yes a- a- as a way to improve you know yourself as a creative to improve your work and just l- like you said like feeling like an island like when you are that way you you're not opening up to to new ideas or new processes that can totally change your work for the better, and I, I think um, I think uh, a lot of people kind of miss out, and it, that actually might be a, a bigger deal moving forward. Now, you know, coming out of COVID, um, where people have been, you know, so isolated, but it'll be interesting to see how people get together and and, and keep chatting about their their work. Absolutely, um, but yeah, if you can't find your your voice, it really just means you're you're ho- hollow inside that you have no soul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding! I'm kidding! I'm kidding! I'm kidding! That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a bad sense of humor. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a um, so let's talk about your your work, um, in particular your your newborn and and, and family stuff, ju- just for a bit. Obviously, I said in the intro that you're you're London based. Um, so, does all your work kind of need to be in the London area? Like, like where's the furthest you you would travel? Anywhere in the world. I mean, I like I told you, I'm usually never home, and I'm mostly always traveling, running workshops in different parts of the world. Uh-huh. So wherever I go, I I uh, get my clients there, whichever okay. part of the world I travel to. Yeah, and uh, and, and do you travel? Do you? Do you do the travel first and then book your clients or does your tra- is your travel dictated by your clients? Uh, usually it is first the introduction of the workshop okay. uh, or the masterclass that I'm running in whichever country it is. And the mm-hmm. moment I just introduce my uh, masterclass on my social media uh, handles, I start receiving inquiries for photo shoots in those countries as well. So I always book the photo shoots uh, before uh, traveling because I also need to, you know, have somebody on ground to do the recce for the location for me and just uh, do the back end work. And if I'm not prepared for it and just walking into a shoot straight on, then I won't be able to produce the required results. Mm-hmm. How many sort of shoots are you roughly doing a month? Or what? what's it, is, how does it break down? Is it more workshops than shoots? Yeah. Definitely, definitely. I am uh, more of an educator. I am. Uh, I. I. I will be very, very honest, and I hate this about myself. But uh, the more I have started to delve into my own personal projects, the more impatient I have become about client work. <laughs> I find it really ridiculous about myself. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's not a good trait, and 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 I'm not proud of it. But I am extremely impatient, so I cannot uh, pander to a million queries. And many a times, people come to me for my work which they do because my I charge such a high price that uh, I cannot imagine anybody coming to me until they are 100% convinced that they want my work. But yeah. yet at the same time, I sometimes feel uh, clients are like children, you know. Uh, they feel like they want this candy, but when they go to the candy store, they just don't know what they want. So I so many times get my clients sending me Pinterest images of somebody else's work <laughs> saying, I am obsessed with your work, Sujata. Can you do this image for me? And I 
and then i can't take that i mean i just don't know how to react to that so i am i um so which means that i don't promote my client work a lot uh so if it comes in through the door on its own i am happy with it if it doesn't i am really making enough money for myself through my workshops so i'd say uh on a prior to pandemic when i was traveling endlessly it used to be not more than 3 photo shoots a month mm-hmm. and now it's not more than 7 i don't go beyond that yeah. yeah obviously the the pandemic and covid words have been mentioned and it's hard to avoid that topic just now so how how has your work changed because of that has there been a pivot or obviously travels affected where you can do workshops so what what changes have you made to your work because See, of last year business wise simon it was very very important and as we can see the online education industry has just blossomed like i think last year it was gaming online gaming that just you know mm-hmm. burst and then and now i feel like uh, uh, online ed- education has just like literally taken over the world and uh, the economy mm-hmm. uh, so of course all my work has gone online as well as a result so uh, all my education uh, my editing video tutorial something that i was keeping really close to my chest and not trying to share with anybody i have just like <laughs> given it all away now all of it is online to be purchased uh, all my light video tutorials everything everything that i am able to teach online is available as a source online on my website now um so that has made uh, time really really available for me uh, i'm spending more time with my family i'm working more on my personal projects so that's on the business side of course mm-hmm. um I'm also initiating into television uh, uh, direction so I've just signed a contract uh, for a news channel in Southeast Asia where I will be producing a, a show for them. Yeah, uh, cool. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah, that's um, exciting. Yeah, uh, uh, something that I had done in the past very very long ago when I was a uh, TV journalist. Mm-hmm. So I'm just picking up that chapter all over again in my life, interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, and uh, also uh pandemic has changed me as a person hence it has changed my voice i used to focus a lot on uh the magic of childhood as my personal journey because i've had a very very difficult childhood so you know i literally through my art i was trying to recreate a a, a more fan fantastical version of my childhood which i have actually not lived but is just right. uh so uh, but as a result of the pandemic i've just i've i've just felt that i i feel like my art needs to have more meaning way more meaning than what it had so which is why the motherhood series as well so yeah mm-hmm. that's the business and profession com- uh, passion both completely transformed after the pandemic yeah so let's get to more practical chat what is your approach to a family session then how how do you go about shooting it um well there are two types of family sessions i do mm-hmm. uh there is the so that's something that i uh, tell my students as well you know many a times because once you become a storyteller uh sometimes many a clients come to you to be, uh, capture those kind of storytelling images for you what they see on your social media handles and yet at the same time there are clients who want to come to you for a classic set of images that they can post uh, uh, that they can create big prints of where they are all looking at the camera and smiling 
and looking like this perfect uh, family that never fights husband and wife are not ready to divorce each other mm-hmm. they are straight out of slimming world straight out of a salon do dried yeah. so i mean then there is that sort of a classic package so i i have those two different sort of family uh, packages available uh, my approach is very standard i mean i uh, go with what my client wants that because it's their vision it's their life that they want to be captured uh, and so i completely 100% go with them i always send them a form to fill where they tell me what their vision is what is it that they want to uh, create what are the kind of locations they want to go to um if it's a classic shoot i keep the clothes also very you know uh, timeless because mm-hmm. 20 years later 30 years later i don't want them to look back at those images and say oh my god what is this apple watch uh, that i'm wearing it's so huge you know <laughs> because 25 years later maybe it will be way more slimmer and i don't know what so i keep the clothes the styling very very neutral and very very timeless uh we go to a location a beautiful outdoor location close to sunset uh, so that the light is soft uh, and my most the uh, maximum emphasis is on posing them right and bringing out the emotions making sure the husbands have their car keys and their wallets out of their pockets mm-hmm. um <laughs> and and uh, making sure that even if they don't really love each other just as much it still looks through the images that they are madly in love with each other so yeah that's that's a that's that's how i uh do my family photo shoots mm-hmm. i did notice in your images that there's you know shafts of light and you know a lot of your work is kind of backlit so you can kind of get this kind of soft haloing effect um mm-hmm. is that is that something that you you look for as well yes absolutely simon that's a, that's a good point that you've picked i focus a lot on light so i would say that uh, if you look at the elements level uh, uh my images have only three main elements which is light uh color and uh, depth of field Mm-hmm. you know yeah. uh so uh, light is something that i pay a lot of attention to i'm a natural light photographer if i am doing an outdoor photo shoot i will make sure that i'm going closer to sunset at a location where there is a lot of tree cover around uh, the location so that the sunlight is softly filtering through the tree branches before it's falling on the subject mm-hmm. you know uh, because i want to create that sort of a magical aura and if the light is not soft enough the uh, magic will go away mm-hmm. uh, and uh, i always make sure that the subject uh, is standing in a position where the sun is either behind or falling through an angle uh, a 90 degree angle onto the uh, subject uh, and not facing the subject because then you get a lot of harsh uh, highlights uh, yeah uh, so yeah mm-hmm. so that's why that's where you get the rim from yes backlit images yeah i mean our work is on the darker end uh, for film but you know we said this before in the podcast but it's very much a, a, a cinematographer's uh, trick is to back like quite a lot or to side light if you look at kind of well produced tv ads or you know even further into cinematography like movies and like if you pay attention to the way that they light it's very much you know all backlight yeah. no not all backlight but you know unless unless they're trying to say something um, it will be a lot back, back or or sidelight um but yeah. you, let's let's get into a little bit more about the narrative before we um talk more about colors and in your approach because you know there is a, a a narrative to your images but how 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 would you introduce that into an image 
how do you introduce that into an image narrative uh, there are quite a few you know sometimes you have to no matter how much soul you want to Im- infuse in your art you have to still look at it from a very practical uh, step by steps uh, perspective you know so i have mm-hmm. literally broken my art down into these specific steps that i need to follow to make my art uh, Uh, create that impact so for example one of the most important things the very first step into creating a narrative style image is picking up the right models um, so the very first thing that i always do before i'm walking into a, a photo shoot is to write down the caption of the image that i'm going to post uh, because when i write down that caption i know what emotion i'm going to work on um once i've got the caption written then i figure out what are the kind of models that will fit that vision of my caption um so that is how i do my model call so i work backwards okay uh, i first figure out the emotion once i figured out the emotion that says that is when when i look for uh, the models uh, now again models searching for your models is also a sort of a science you know you need to study the trends in industry of course to know what is it that's working really well uh, reflections work very very well um, freckles work very well ginger hair work very well just giving you a very very crude example of what is it what is it that mm-hmm. the industry is focusing a lot on lately in terms of portraits or on images uh, so if for example these are the these are the trends that are working how can you imbibe these trends into your own art to make it your own mm-hmm. you know so that is one one of the very easy ways to uh, capture narrative style photography or or what is the emotion that works really well little babies if a baby is smiling a tiny little newborn baby is sleeping and smiling in an image an emotion that works superbly well every single time you know <laughs> so uh easy way easy way to figure out what kind of model to pick or what kind of story to pick so uh, the uh, the easiest way is always to start with the emotion based on that emotion do your correct model search based on the emotion then again find the right location that is going to fit that narrative mm-hmm. and then uh, go at the right time of the day correct your uh, carry your correct gear and do minimum amount of editing the more you edit it, edit or the more props you add to your image the more you'd stand, snatch away from the narrative so i keep it very clean mm-hmm. my styling is always very very understated so that it does not take away the attention from what the story is going to be yeah. so yeah these are a few couple of uh, tricks that i use yeah, yeah that's really interesting i think having the caption in mind from that early stage must be something that's quite unique because i think a lot of people when it comes to sort of thinking of a caption for a post it's it's the last thing they think of it's like mm. oh i'm going to post this image what does it say about it so the way you do it's pretty different yeah yeah no absolutely yeah. i'm not sure maybe that is because yeah with weddings it's kind of live events so you capture something as it was not you can't construct it too much True. um True. so i do wonder if just that might just be part of our industry but then i you know i know people who aren't in the wedding industry who who do you know save the captioning for last and they do struggle with it so yeah interesting and i also see in your work that you are drawn to the outdoors and um animals as well i mean children and animals you know there is the the advice that you never work with children That's and animals <laughs> <laughs> and you go ahead and you just 
do it all. So yeah, what what, what draws you to to all those elements? I mean, I don't know. You know, I've uh, I've grown up reading P. G. Woodhouse. Uh, so I've, I've, I don't know if you've uh, read uh, any of his works, but, uh, you know, I've uh, grown up reading a lot about the British countryside. Mm. And uh, when I never thought I was get, going to get married to a guy who lived in the UK, but I loved the British countryside always in my imagination. And then when I got married to my husband, I said, uh, either I live right in the uh, center of the heart of the city in London so that I can meet all the people and, you know, be a part of the buzz mm. or I live all the way back of the beyond in the countryside. I mean, don't send me and keep me anywhere in the middle. And that's exactly where we ended up being. Where I live right now is neither the uh, heart of the London city nor the countryside. So I just uh, somehow end up um, uh, vetting my soul or fulfilling that love for the British countryside by actually capturing it in my images. And what is British countryside? It's all about the beautiful, endless farms. You cannot find those kind of farms anywhere else in the world, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just, I am always drawn to those wonderful animals and uh, children, of course, I just, I, I like I said, children is just Childhood is just a a, a mere uh, reconstruction of what I did not have for me. So uh, it's just, I just bring those two elements together. Yeah. Do you have any practical advice then for, for, for people who are working with, you know, specifically children and animals together? Lots, lots. Yeah. Mm. We'll, we'll we'll dive in because it's obviously not something that we do very much in uh, wedding filmmaking. Um, but I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear more about it. How, how do you a, work with these crazy <laughs> energies for, you know, creating an image? Lots of things have to be taken care of. First of all, you need to have a rock solid contract to make sure that, first of all, you need to have a, a full liability cover. You know, your insurance needs to be very, very yep. strong because yep. uh, uh, especially me, I mean, I'm working in many, many different countries with animals. So I need to have, <laughs> I pay a high insurance on my business. Uh, very, very important. You need to have a very solid contract where you have very clearly stated that any injury caused during the photo shoot is going to be not your liability, but the liability of the models or the parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, practical I mean you've got to make sure your contracts are always signed before you walk into such photo shoots Uh, many a times I try most of the times my effort is to make sure that the animals belong to the family of the parents uh, of the models themselves that just simplifies things for you the baby is acquainted with the animal there is no hesitation there is no fear of uh, you know not not a heightened fear of injury Mm -hmm. Uh, many a times however that does not happen Uh, I uh, my clients come to me and they say we want to go to a farm for a photo shoot in those cases you have to make sure uh, that uh, on the safety side you have to make sure that the farm owners are always around uh, and and are around to take care of the animals are around to guide you which are the animals that are uh, you know kinder towards children mm-hmm. I don't like working with horses horses are very very unpredictable mm. uh, so I try uh, initially in the beginning of my career when I was obviously not in the know of what are, what are the rights and wrongs of doing this I, I worked with a lot of uh, horses as well soon I realized that's not no, that's not a very safe thing to do. Yeah. So I don't really work with a lot of horses. Uh, but, uh, you know, tiny animals like uh, uh, ducklings or, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, sheep, for example, as well, are very docile beings. They are easier to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
now on the practical side of shooting uh, you have to make sure that you are very very quick with your shutter speed so my shutter speed when i'm photographing children and animals which are very fast moving subjects is very high usually between 500 to 1200 anywhere between 1 by 500 to 1 by 1200 mm-hmm. you know depending on how uh, much ambient line the light there is in nature or uh, how fast moving the animals are uh, you have to end up sometimes in fact in most cases create composites so what i usually do is i place the child uh, in the same uh, horizontal uh, line of frame mm-hmm. uh, um, focus and i am sitting in one position i capture the child i immediately ask the parents to come and pick the child i am sitting right there i am not moving i get my assistant to or, or or i ask the farm owner to stand exactly where the child was sitting with a bowl of food uh, to attract the animal the moment the animal moved towards the uh, bowl of food food I capture the animal and then I put the two uh, frames together to create a narrative of where it seems like that the animal is actually interacting with the child. So that's another very easy and effective way of capturing animals and children together where it's also safe. Mm-hmm. Uh you need to also make sure that your uh uh focus is on continuous focus again you know not one stop focus. Yeah. Uh because in that case your camera will uh block the focus even before you've hit the shutter and the uh, subjects would have already moved so these are a few uh, practical tips that you need to take care of um also to know what kind of animals look cute what don't look cute you know not an- all animals are cute like for example uh most of the farms in uk actually have more hens than they have ducks so i get uh, I, I, throughout the year if i'm looking for a chick i can find a chick but mm. chicks look ugly they really really look like a i don't know like a stuffed taxidermy toy in the shot and they look really horrible uh, rabbits again i mean you put a rabbit you put a real rabbit i put so many times real rabbits in the shots and people have asked me if it's a stuffed toy mm. uh, so you got to make sure you pick the right animal ducklings look damn cute they look damn cute but they only are born between i think uh, march to may so you need to know what months they are born Yeah. So yeah, just a couple of uh, practical things here and there, yeah. That's very cool. Do you, I mean so yeah, obviously you mentioned when you know March May, do do you time those specific shoots to work with those specific animals at that time or are you more you have an image in mind and say your image you wanted a duck, but it wasn't that time of year, would you just switch out for another animal or would you say that for next year and just plan a accordingly does that make sense mm, that makes sense? yeah i mean now i've actually moved ahead of uh, just photographing animals and children that narrative has walked out of my brain already but uh, <laughs> uh, when i used to focus a lot on animals and children uh, i wouldn't really wait you know i mean i know a couple of animals that will definitely look cute you know mm-hmm. like a baby duck uh, like a duckling yep. a kitten or a uh, or a puppy mm-hmm. get any three either of those three into the shot and you're sure to hit the you know uh, like a, like a thousand plus likes on your image it's <laughs> definitely going to happen so if i'm not getting a duckling because it's height of november i'll go seek somebody who's got a kitten or a uh, a puppy yeah. um yeah i don't hold on my vision can't hold on for the next year okay fair enough i was going to say that 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 did seem quite a quite a step to plan for a specific image um but yeah. yeah no that's cool i don't know if i mentioned this but i great did i tell you that i saved a baby duck 
No, don't remember. Yeah. A, a mother duck and her five babies came into the estate that I live on, and um, there was a small group of uh, parents um, looking for them because they had all separated, and of, so. For those of our listeners who don't know, I'm getting a outhouse built, like a garden room, um, to be a gym. Uh, but it's a building site, or it was actually completed today, but it was a building site. And this little duckling had uh, managed to wriggle its way under piles of wood and had just stayed there. So I had to kind of very carefully dig out and, and save this little tiny, tiny duckling. Aww. It was very Aww. cute. Very cute. That's cute. Kids loved it. But yeah, so just a Q&A reminder, I'll just do that just now. If you're not listening live on Clubhouse and you are a member of our Patreon page, you are leaving some amazing content on the table as you can only get access to our Q&A section through the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash perspective by Cinemate. Um, the link is in the show notes if you want to check that out. Um, talking about insurance though, one of our sponsors is with Jack. So hit that button, Greg. With Jack was designed from the ground up and is tailored specifically for creatives. Whether you provide a service like design, development, or photography, or offer advice to clients, With Jack is for you. It's focused on creatives. Insurance shouldn't be complicated, so With Jack has made every step easy. You'll deal with one form and talk to one Jack as you sign up, get covered, and move on with your day. With Jack is all about bespoke insurance for creatives. Simple. That doesn't mean more forms or faff, it means less. It's not about endless features and stale service. It's about one solid policy and the personal touch. Bye-bye, unnecessary fuss. Hello, creative, friendly insurance. Be a confident creative. So yes, insurance is very important. (laughs) Um, So thank you very much for bearing with us there. I want to get back back into... um, talking about the quality of your work. Obviously, we did we did kind of cover this a little bit. But whether it's newborns or, you know, right through to the older couples that you shoot, you know, there is this soft, hazy quality, you know, and, and it feels very comforting when you, when you look at your images. You know, they're very warm and colourful and it makes me feel very happy inside. Yeah, it's it, like, obviously... Going outside is very important to you. The way that you use light, how it wraps around your subjects. It's, you know, it's it's almost as if the background doesn't matter exactly. But, you know, it's just this beautiful visual duvet that kind of surrounds your subject. Can you Can you talk a little bit about how you approach light? I mean, you obviously mentioned it. Um, earlier but could you go into a little bit more detail as to how you use light you know a lot of newcomers to the industry they hear all these words like soft light harsh light you know directional backlit they might not understand the practical you know elements to try and find these so I'm actually glad you mentioned that um do you ever struggle though with finding a location to get good light uh, not really. I mean, I've been around for seven years. <laughs> I found my I found my pet places. You know, I yeah. uh, I have a bunch of places where I will always shoot. 
but uh, finding good light is not difficult at all it's not at all difficult i mean i'm i'm actually always seeking like you just have to have your blinkers on all the time mm-hmm. uh, i'm always in work mode so no matter wherever i'm traveling i'm always seeking light and if i find the right patch of light somewhere at some hour of the day i just you know send that location to myself on whatsapp and i know the next time i'm going to shoot yeah. uh, at that hour of the day i'll go there and shoot so finding light is not difficult when uh, when you have understood what is the right light yeah how does your approach change? You mentioned sort of photographing like a 95-year-old grandparent or something, and that's a big part of your work is the older couples as well. So how does your approach change from working with a newborn shoot to an elderly couple shoot? Funnily, it's actually the exact same approach yeah. because uh, by the time they reach that age, they have become children all over again. <laughs> so it's almost... <laughs> yeah, indeed. I mean, it's a, it's a very, very... Uh, however, I must say that it's a, it's a very unfortunate... Uh, uh, time of life when you know most of the most of the elderies uh, I uh, I meet at that uh, are, are at that juncture in their life they they have dementia yeah. most of them you know so it's uh, you have to be literally walking around with uh, kid gloves you can't uh, you can't carry your ego from home with you in your uh, uh, camera bag and say that, oh, I need the perfect shot. I need them to wear the perfect clothes. I need them to follow my instructions. You can't work like that when you're working with elderlies. Mm-hmm. Uh, with children, that's the only difference. I mean, uh, you can force their parents to ask them to wear the clothes that they have to wear and maybe the parent will just take the kid in a corner and give them a slight whack uh, if they don't uh, follow instructions, but that's something you can't do with elderlies. So that's that's the only thing you need to take care of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise, I am, um, I you know, I I keep my emotions. Comp- no matter how much emotion there is in the image when I'm photographing it, I actually work like a machine when I'm doing my shots. Yeah. I keep my emotions aside. Uh, I know that the practical way of working with an elderly that age is to make sure that only the family member is relaying the instructions to them. I do not try to be over friendly with them. I do not try to become their daughter. I make sure I am only interacting with their direct family member because they become very fidgety. They are very weary of strangers. They don't know why the hell is this person, stranger standing in front of them with a camera Mm -hmm. and asking them to hold a flower or interact with the great grandson that whom they have never met before the shoot, you know, um, or asking them to pose with their husband who they in fact don't even talk to now because both of them are sitting in different uh, parts of the house watching their own set of television shows. So uh, uh, just make sure uh, suggestions, uh, shoot instructions are relayed via the family member. Mm -hmm. Make sure you write down your poses. Make sure you're done in and out of the shoot within 30 minutes max. That's the best elderlies will uh, give time to you for mm-hmm. uh, make sure your shoot location the distance between the parking lot to the exact shoot location is not more than 100 meters 100 yeah. meters is a lot yeah. as well uh, make sure you remind them over and over and over again to either bring the wheelchair of the elderlies or whatever walking support they need that should be carried along with it uh, make sure you already tell them what to wear uh, and that needs to be a genuine part of their wardrobe already. I mean, you cannot ask them to wear something entirely different from what they don't wear on a regular basis. They will not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, keep your poses as as simple as possible. Yeah. Like really keep it bloody simple. Give them a flower in their hand and ask them to interact with the flower. 
literally i mean literally as simple as that that's that's and and yeah that's what you need to do in your shoots and carry a vintage piece of furniture always a rocking chair oh okay yeah do you have a big car yeah my husband actually working in a car company so we get ah. a new car every 3 months <laughs> so yeah <laughs> oh, so that's awesome perks of his profession yeah oh that's cool i wouldn't have thought about that i'm assuming then when you're photographing older couples that you're not doing like they're not your client that maybe their children are your client is would i be correct in assuming that i started as all, all this off as a project actually you know simon i uh, okay. um it was my personal project so i started just literally doing model calls uh looking for uh, gr- grandparents and grandchildren yeah and then eventually clients started coming to me saying uh, it finally became a trend in the industry now i'm so happy about it so many family albums albums have uh, great grandparents and grandparents in them as well yeah. uh, so clients started coming over saying can i bring my parents along for the photo shoot and then i would say if your parents are coming that one image in which i'm going to involve your parents as well in the shot is going to be a gift from me uh because i that's just my way of giving it back to the society yeah yeah all of that i think you've you've given quite a lot of good practical advice i actually wouldn't have thought i mean we greg and i don't really shoot elderly elderly couples we primarily go the younger route cuz cuz weddings but it's so funny i i would love to hear more from people who who do shoot elderly couples cuz i feel like it's not something that you often see on social media it might just be because that you know we're only following wedding suppliers i suppose but mm-hmm. it's nice to to hear the, well you said it was a trend so yeah that that's quite nice like i mentioned in the introduction of the podcast your work has been featured in uh, some amazing publications actually um how did that come about like like what's your approach to getting featured because i feel that is something that a lot of wedding industry individuals uh, photographers filmmakers you know i i feel like that's a goal for them to to strive towards so what's your approach to getting featured um again i'm going to come back exactly to where we started from uh personal projects uh i give this advice to my students over and over again come up with a theme come up with a theme that is that is uh something that has a story to it has a very very strong story to it and create images around that narrative uh, a series of images around that narrative and then posting series uh, which are you know a theme based series that have not just one set of images but uh, image but more than that yeah. uh, it's much much easier for that kind of work to be recognized or to go what what you call viral uh, than just you know one off pieces mm-hmm. or one off images of any kind so it's very important to come up with your personal projects that have a strong sensitive uh, humanitarian or or an emotional connect or or a more uh, i don't know uh, something that goes with the news or something that goes with the times anything anything that you think is relevant uh, come up with a project like that so i i remember my very first work that actually went viral was uh, and tell your story tell your story tell stories along with it continuously the very first work that went viral was my uh, images of my daughter and my dog uh and i wrote about it on facebook very mm-hmm. randomly and i wasn't even uh, much later in my career at that time i think it was around a year and a half into being a photographer uh-huh. and i posted all the images together and i uh, wrote my story of uh, my journey of uh, going through depression and how 
when my daughter was born i couldn't even touch her i mean my doctor you know it's called skin to skin the moment your child is born mm-hmm. the doctor brings the child to you uh, to the mother to have a skin to skin touch with the child and when they brought my daughter to me i just i just said please take her away i ca- i cannot i cannot bear it right now and i wrote about that in my uh, narrative on facebook when i was sharing the stories of uh, my daughter ayat and uh, my dog mustang and i said uh, but i am healed and i find healing has come through uh, capturing this bond that my daughter shares with my dog and and i shared it and not never did i ever think that that work would go viral or it would be shared so much by uh, in uh, media there were so many media inquiries that i had to turn down simply because i felt like i was in uh, hinging over the privacy of my daughter i mean i don't want her to grow up and tell me you i was published all over the world uh, where you were talking about your depression and having pushed me aside when i was born so which is why i brushed aside a lot of media inquiries on that story uh, simply out of fear but that is one learning for for me that came through uh, sharing that work was share your story share your demons don't be scared of sharing your uh, demons if it, if they can cause you depression then they can uh, be your victory as well um that's a great way of uh, uh, just just you know uh, getting your work published also guest posting on a very practical side guest posting is a concept that is very famous nowadays there's a website called board panda uh, pardon my indian accent but it is b o r e d p a n d a dot com boardpanda dot com uh-huh. and uh, you can just go and write an article about your work there yourself. Uh, so I every year whenever I've uh, finished my series of work or uh, project, I go and self publish an article on myself or my series uh, on boardpanda, and all the media houses from across the world go there for their entertainment nuggets. So if your work gets uh, uh, on the front page of boardpanda's website, there is a huge likelihood that your work will be picked up by uh, media houses as well. So that's another way. Yeah, that's really interesting because we we've never. I mean, we've spoken to a lot a lot of guests on this podcast. Boardpanda has never come up. No, and we've talked a lot about social media and all that sort of stuff, but yeah, WordPanda's not been mentioned. Mm. There you go. So it's a platform for you to self-publish your own work. Yep. Like a blog. Because we all have blogs yeah. as, well, I don't want to say all. The majority of Wayne suppliers have blogs. And I'm wondering, so so if you were to write a blog that you put on your website, would you just you could you use the same images the same yeah yeah um you know text and yeah publish on oh, interesting yeah 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 absolutely yeah mm. so what is what is your approach to social media then is is boardpanda the main avenue that you use or is instagram facebook how do you use mm, these in- platforms instagram and facebook both yeah they are they are the main places where i publish my work Um, yeah i mean board panda is just once a year once i finished my series uh i just go and write an article about what i what is that series about a short snippet article people are not interested in reading they are interested in your images mm-hmm. uh a catchy caption that's about it and and then i just leave it to uh i don't know destiny <laughs> to figure out the <laughs> speed at which it catches fire um uh but instagram and facebook are uh, the main places that i where i publish my work yeah okay How do people write a cap a catchy a catch blah, 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 a catchy caption? Is there? I feel like there's an art to it, but I'm not sure because I feel like 
I'm quite often like 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 Greg said before, like I'm one of those people who think about the caption last and do struggle with putting, you know, the image or, or the section of film that we uh, put on social media. I, I find it hard to find a title for that. So do you, do you have any tips for me? Um, see, the cool thing about Boat Panda is that if you've not written a catchy caption, but if they like the work that you have done in your article, uh, they always vet every uh, single article that is published on their uh, platform. So if they don't like your caption, they'll fix it and then they'll publish the article. Uh, so you don't really need to worry for as long as your work is really good and you've got a uh, you've got a, a, a proper theme going through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the huge likelihood that it will get published on their website. Um, uh, but about catchy captions, I mean, there's it's just a hook, you know. Ask a question or or just say something that's shocking. So. <laughs> <laughs> Something shocking. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Something controversial. Controversy works. So I remember I the first time I had posted my first board panda article I'd written, uh, I hired I asked my husband to uh, assist me on my photo shoot of my daughter and my dog and it almost led to a divorce. Yeah. So just something <laughs> Right? It's funny. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, All but right. I mean, the amount of trolling I got for that was hilarious, though. It taught me a lesson, though, that uh, the more controversial your work is, the better publicity you get. Yeah, okay. Oh, I'm wondering if there's any of our listeners thinking, oh, but how, how do you do that for wedding clients? Because obviously, you know, the term wedding kind of needs to be kind of put into a positive spin or some sort of emotion behind it but yeah it's a, it's a tricky one I feel like it's the same issue that people might struggle with putting their wedding work on a platform like TikTok say because like TikTok are, are short snappy usually uh, funny videos um, yeah. I find it's quite hard to as a wedding supplier to balance or oh, what's funny to what's going to be construed as making fun of your clients if you know what i mean yeah but um yeah that that's always a thin line to sort of balance (laughs) definitely is the thin line oh yeah that's actually really funny in fact i'm gonna try i'm gonna try board panda i'm gonna write something for board panda there was a a tiktok clip that we had um it was a a couple in sky and um the groom he was uh, south african and the groom's kilt kept them flying up and like none of our videos do that well on TikTok, except for this one that has just reached two million views. And I always Ooh, found wow. it. I always found it so interesting um, that that kind of that hit the balance of like, oh, it's a guy on a kilt, a guy with a kilt. So it was quite good because it was around the time that Harry Styles was, ha- you know, was starting to wear skirts and stuff. So the topic was kind of in the zeitgeist there. But then mm-hmm. the the comedy element of you know the the kilt kept on riding up. So it was like the perfect balance and trying to recreate that or not not even recreating it, just being around and being able to capture it in a way that doesn't make fun of your clients, but still, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. quite an interesting one, but yeah, I'll put that on board Panda and see. That'd be quite cool. Yeah. Uh, a good fun experiment. Awesome. Well, Sujata, thank you so much for taking the time to, to be with us today. I would highly recommend listeners that you follow Sujata. She, uh, are you on Clubhouse often or was this just a courtesy for us? 
I mean, I I have joined Clubhouse, but I try to stay away from it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I said, it just otherwise sucks you in. Yes. Uh, so yeah, not not very active. Okay. Well, listeners, definitely um, follow Sujata and uh, check out her work. En- engage as well. Uh, I always try and encourage our listeners to to engage with our guests. Yes, thank you very much. People can find us at cinematefilms.co.uk on Facebook and Instagram at cinematefilms. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did, you can join us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash perspective by Cinemate. For as little as a pound, you can support the podcast and also where you can table discussions and any more bonus content that we create. It'll all be available there. If you don't have any money to give, that is absolutely okay. You can just hit that subscribe button and you'll get your usual podcast for free. Maybe just leave a review and we'll give you a shout out. However, until the next time, enjoy your life.